School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communication and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're speaking with the brand new director of our Family Violence Litigation Clinic within the Justice Center here at Albany Law School, Hyatt Barrett. And she is fluent in Arabic. She kickboxes. She loves local produce. And she also has some really big ideas for where the future of the clinic and where it presently is. So lots to get to with Professor Barrett here in just a second. A couple of reminders, as we always do on the top of the podcast, albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. Make sure you're up to date on all of our policies here at the law school. Follow us on social media if you want to know the day-to-day goings-on, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And if you like this episode of podcast, you want to hear more, follow us on any of the major podcast services or check out our SoundCloud account. Enough from me. Let's talk with Professor Barrett. Back here on the Albany Law School podcast with Professor Barrett. And Professor Barrett, if you just take a second to introduce yourself to everybody listening today. Sure. So I have spent my entire legal career practicing in New York City. I uh, started out as a housing attorney uh, working for the Legal Aid Society in the Bronx, and then shortly thereafter started working at, at the New York Legal Assistance Group. It can be referred to as NILAG in their domestic violence law unit. And so I spent about almost five years or so working there, and I most recently left Right as I began this this uh, specific uh, job, and so I worked representing primarily clients that came from the Middle East and North Africa because I speak Arabic fluently, and so the majority of my clients were actually also immigrants because I was a coordinating attorney in the city and uh, for that organization, and that my project was specifically to work with immigrant women survivors of domestic violence, and so that's a little bit of my background and what I did before joining Albany Law School. Very excited to have you on board here. And how have the first few weeks of the semester been going? You just started it back in August. So, you know, about maybe, what, four weeks in now? How's it been going so far? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been a whirlwind. I can't believe it's been a month already. <laughs> but it's been so fun meeting my students, jumping right in, having them start working on their own cases, but also shifting gear to be able to spend a lot of time in the classroom, teaching them about substantive family law and how to apply the things uh, that they learn in the classroom with their clients that they're working on. And so it's been really busy, but also it's already rewarding. And I'm looking forward to continuing to work uh, in the coming weeks and, you know, throughout the rest of the year. And you're coming up from New York City to join us here in Albany. What made Albany Law School the right fit for you to come up and join us? Yeah, so actually, uh, my my husband is from the the Albany area, and so it wasn't such a crazy <laughs> um, jump. And we spent a good amount of time during the pandemic, actually, in the Albany area, and so that was that was kind of a draw and. It was really the position. This was exactly the right fit for me. It was 
combining the things that I'm passionate about, which is advocating for survivors of domestic violence, but also teaching. And, and this was, I was able to do this. I was teaching at my prior organization. To some extent, we had an in-house clinic. We also had interns and volunteers, but being able to do to do this full time and focus all of my energy on that was just the, it was perfect transition to doing what I wanted to do. So that's, that's, it was the combination of having some family in the area, but also um, the position itself was one that was just spot on for me. And we'll get to that position in just a little bit, but you mentioned your background a little bit, and I did want to circle back to some of that before we get to the here and now in from what we've been able to find out uh, through our sources here at the Albany Law School podcast, mm-hmm. senior assist or see, excuse me, senior staff attorney and coordinating attorney in the domestic violence unit at the New York Legal Assistance Group. You you touched on a little bit. Go over more of the details of what you did day to day in that position. Yeah, certainly. So I, uh, as a senior staff attorney, I had, you know, some of the same responsibilities that other attorneys would have had. So we uh, had our own caseload and we, you know, conducted client intakes. We went to, to court. I was the lead attorney, first chair on all these trials and, and all court appearances, certainly, and then supervised more junior attorneys as well. So whether they were just, they were fellows with the organization or had just started supervising any interns and or long-term volunteers that we had. And so in terms of the coordinating attorney component of it, it was that I really was in charge of this immigrant uh, so it was a we received some federal funding and it was primarily to work with immigrant women survivors of domestic violence and so we worked we partnered with local organizations that represented different demographics in the greater New York City area and so we had various attorneys that were partnered with these different organizations and we had plans in place and you know we did clinics with them prior to the pandemic they were in person then we shifted to having everything being virtual but really doing outreach to be able to reach those communities and able to draft, you know, whatever pleadings they may be, they may need, and also just filing things in court and potentially representing them. So that took in with any type of funding that you get, there's also grant reporting and all those fun types of things that came with it. But so basically any attorney in NILAG's domestic violence law unit took on matrimonial cases. They took on, you know, family court cases, which included custody, visitation, child support, and orders of protection. We also took on immigration cases where the the relief that was sought was based on the domestic violence. So we we took on uh, U visa cases, battered spouse waivers, and VAWA clients. I also did do some uh, human trafficking, so T visa cases while there. So that was kind of the umbrella of you know everything that I did was specifically working on those types of cases. All of the clients at the time, you know, they were survivors of domestic violence with a big bulk of my clients being immigrants and also from the Middle East and North Africa. And so that I think in in a nutshell, I don't know, and <laughs> it's kind of what I did. <laughs> well, it, it, it leads me to my next thing here. And it sounds very similar. We've had uh, Professor Jaya Connors on the yes. podcast before. She's the former director of the clinic that you're leading now, the Family Violence Litigation Clinic. And when we spoke with her, and you can find the link to that in the show notes here, she's she described very similar 
cases, very similar paths that uh, unfortunately victims have to go down and we're here to help through the clinic. Can you just give us an overview of what the Family Violence Litigation Clinic does, how it works, where the students work, how students are engaged with both professionals in the field, victims, can you just give us a tour of the clinic? Yeah, certainly. And I have to add that Jaya Connors is amazing. She's my predecessor and I have spent a lot of time, you know, chatting with her and she's done such a great job transitioning me into the role. And so what I've done is also try to implement things that I would like the students to maybe, you know, work on. And so while she was, she had been previously an attorney for the children, I had not, I had only represented, you know, adult survivors of domestic violence. And so what we've done with the clinic um, is that we are partnered with organizations in the greater Albany area. So we partner with Unity House, which does so much for survivors of domestic violence. And so what one of their attorneys actually ends up sending us cases over for the students to work on throughout the semester. And they're the lead and retained attorneys. So they're the ones that sign the retainer with the clients and and really speak on the record. But then our students are able to help with the drafting and, you know, they're present for all the court appearances and the client meetings and all of And so that's been great in the sense of like the from the very first day of the semester, there was a court appearance. And so this, some of the students, you know, got to appear in court that very first week and shortly thereafter. So that was great to be able to jump in and have that experience and be able to kind of see what family court is like. And in addition to that, some of the things that I've added on so that the students can get more, you know, really interactive client experience and get that courtroom experiences I've met with some of the judges in the area and they, you know, so they're sending us some cases so that the students, we can be the lead attorneys. And so the students are setting up meetings with those clients and we're also then appearing in court this week actually (laughs) on one of those cases. And so what that means is that we actually hang on to those cases. And then if the case doesn't conclude at the end of the semester, then the spring semester students would be able to continue to work on the case. And so the cases that they're working on primarily are really custody and visitation and orders of protection cases. And they there is a divorce case that they're working on, but I've also added on another component of, of having the students also work on special immigrant juvenile status cases. And those are immigration cases with a family court component. And so we have actually partnered with another organization in the greater Albany area uh, to get some of those cases. So the legal project has actually sent us some clients cases and we the students are going to work on those. And the, the, the hope is that once the family court component finishes, then potentially our very own immigration clinic at the law school would then do the second part of the case, which would be getting the, the client's immigration relief. And so it's very exciting. And I, I really like the idea of having this holistic approach when you meet with clients of like, they're not only coming for one part, but they're able to maybe have full representation at our clinic. And I look forward to, you know, I've spoken with Sarah Rogerson about this and really it's exciting. And certainly the students are, they're, they're learning another part of, um, you know, family law and how it actually meshes with immigration and how things impact each other that way. The last thing that I've also started to, to, to work um, on with the students is we've also partnered with Safe Horizon, which is the largest victim-based 
organization in the country. And we are actually during the pandemic, which I know we're going to get to is how the pandemic has impacted things, but they've actually provided resources for survivors of domestic violence and filing for orders of protection remotely. So one, so one day a week, my students are actually signed up to if any petitioners, so any survivors want an order of protection, they can do an intake with our students and then the students draft these uh, family offense petitions, I review them and then we file them electronically and the client, the petitioner that very same day can get an order of protection from the court. So that is kind of everything that I could think of that, you know, we're working on what the students are able to work on throughout the semester and which is why it's been such a busy uh, first month for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like a, a lot going on. And let me get right to you mentioned the pandemic. Unfortunately, it's reality. And there's a lot of people who are still staying at home. And I've seen statistics, I've seen reporting uh, that domestic violence has actually been on the rise during the pandemic because people are home more. You mentioned one way uh, that people can get help. Are there other ways people can, can get help? The pandemic has impacted things so, so much in terms of how family court works and and safety for survivors of domestic violence, especially when they're, you know, potentially trapped in their homes with their abusers. And so, and at times there was limitations into what could be filed and whether you could get in court and how quickly could you get in court. But one of the things luckily that the courts did make sure that they could do is that you could get this emergency relief, you can get an order of protection, but it very much varies. So it's every single survivor, their plan might be different than what another person might be. And so that might mean that for them actually going to court is not the best and most safe approach. And so really most importantly is maybe uh, making sure that they are connected to an organization in their area, which there are some great ones in the Albany area. You know, I mentioned Unity House, they're in Rensselaer County and Equinox is in Albany County. And so they provide resources. So whether that may be some type of counseling or they also, you know, can help with drafting and filings and getting in court. But it really varies for every single person. And and I I really always hate saying this to survivors when I when I speak with them on the phone about what steps they should take. And sometimes it's as a lawyer, it feels weird to say this, but the best thing to do might not be actually getting in court. It might not have anything to do with the law because you want to make sure that you're safe. And maybe that might actually end up triggering the abuser or uh, endangering them a lot more if they do go file something in court. And also, you know, depending on work schedules and things like that, is that the best approach um, for them? And is that what it really varies on every single person? And so... That's why I always say is like start out by speaking to their counselor, a social worker, certainly a therapist if, you know, if you're able to, to talk about your options, prepare yourself in terms of what you're, you have capacity to take on because ending up in court is exhausting and it can be draining and it could also be more dangerous. And so there's a lot of things there. And so talking to someone and then maybe they would make the right referrals to maybe an attorney or an organization to get legal help. As a survivor, you're certain that you want to proceed. So we've been talking about where you came from, what you're working on now. What about the future? What is the future of the clinic? You you have so many projects going on already, and it, it's just a brand new start. So it might be a little tough to answer, but what do you think about the clinic going forward? 
I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities for the clinic. And I think there is so many people that need the help. And oftentimes it's hard to to say no. And so I think trying to figure out, figuring out how we can help as many people as possible with the limited resources that we have, you know, so we have a set number of students. And so we, we can't take a, a ton of cases and our specific our specific clinic itself doesn't have a staff attorney so it's just me the director and then the students and so that's certainly a challenge in terms of how many cases we can take on and you know what happens when the students are on a break and so that definitely impacts how we decide what cases we take and how much we could take on because we also don't want there to be just too much going on and for the students certainly to be overwhelmed. It, at the same time, you know, they have so many other things going on with school and maybe other obligations. And so that I would say it's a challenge and will continue to be a challenge unless we're potentially able to get uh, <laughs> more help. I do think there's a lot of room for growth and, you know, for future partnerships with other organizations, like I've mentioned, that are already in place. But, you know, there, there's definitely room for more of that. All right. You have reached the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Great. We try and have a little bit more fun in the lightning round. So we're going to start off with one. Do you have any particular hobbies? Anything you do for fun? Yeah. So I really love hiking. Um, I pre, you know, pandemic and actually during the pandemic, I did, I loved kickboxing. And so I did do it virtually. Um, You know, a lot of the instructors in New York City were doing these classes, so I continue to do that. I'm also a big runner, so um, those are some of the things I do. I love cooking, and especially when everything shut down, I I really got into buying local produce and making tasty meals. A kickboxer who cooks at home. Wow, that's that's, that's two ends of the spectrum right there. (laughs) It's getting toward the time of the year that... We're picking produce, of course. Do you prefer apples or pumpkins? <laughs> oh, certainly apples. And I and if I'm picking apples, there's no way I'm not also getting some apple cider donuts, which I, I just did that yesterday, actually. <laughs> oh, you, you are in the right neck of the woods for apple yeah. cider donuts around here. Yeah. Next up in our lightning round, we have, we're bringing back, what is your favorite? So we have three things that we want to know what your favorite is. What's your favorite movie? I, you know, this question is so tough, but one of the movies that I, I've just liked since I was little is My Best Friend's Wedding with Julia Roberts. I could just watch it and it's it's like cringeworthy, but also just so comical and easy. A classic. No problem there. <laughs> What's your favorite song? Oh, what is my favorite song? It's, this is too funny. I actually had it as my ringtone for so many years. I It was Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. I had it as my ringtone for all of college. And, and so I, anytime that comes on, I, I can't help but dance. And it just, it's, it brings a lot of nostalgia. <laughs> perfect. It's a perfect pick. What's your favorite book? I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So I would say, I guess, all of the books, all the Harry Potter series. It's kind of like one, just one. <laughs> One giant book, right? Yeah, it's too many. And I would say, you know, maybe the third book was my favorite, The Prisoner of Azkaban, if I had to pick. But yeah, just the series. (laughs) All right. You've reached the end of the lightning round. You've reached the end of the Albany Law School podcast. We always ask the same question before we go, though. Is there anything you'd like to say to the Albany Law School community? Just thank you so much for being, you know, so welcoming. It's been such 
a wonderful first month and certainly transitioning to a new area in the state. And everyone has been so wonderful and welcoming. And I really look forward to meeting more people, working with more people. I'm excited. Well, we're excited to have you here. Professor Barrett, thank you so much for being on the Albany Law School podcast. Thank you.